0: Welcome to Lilypod Episode Sixty Balancing Our Sexual Natures. Jeff and Kathy Tykert bringing you another episode of Lilypod a production of love in later years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships.
1: Hi, friends. Uh, We have a really important subject today, and it's one that requires a certain amount of sensitivity, I think, because it has been such a taboo subject in our culture, and that is about our sexuality. And you might wonder why we're talking about this to uh, a group that includes a lot of mid-singles who believe that sexual relations should be reserved for marriage only, And we believe that also. And so why are are we thinking sexuality has anything to do with mid-singles? Why is that, Kathy?
0: Because the way we see our own sexual natures, the way we go about abstaining from sex when we're single in honor of our future marital partnership is fundamental to how successful will be in finding that partnership and also how we will see and experience sexuality in general
1: right i mean sexuality is part of who we are as human beings and when we think of the word integrity a lot of us want to have integrity when it comes to how we manage our sexuality but integrity comes from the word integrate which means To to compose all of the various parts of something in a way that works together so It it is disintegrating and you know what the word disintegrate means it is Disintegrating to try to take one element of our human nature and suppress it drive it down cut it off Whatever you want to say It is disintegrating to do that. So the idea is to integrate our sexual drives and desires into the overall purposes of our life, of our body, of our spirit, and make it all part of one great whole.
0: I think in other words, it's to abstain, but with it being temporary, with the idea that it's not forever. And also as we date to experience the joys of physical affection and being able to explore sexual compatibility without doing anything that would be disharmonious to our spirits
1: right i mean i think even when we're abstinent uh, as kathy just talked about even when we're abstinent we are sexual beings we we still have those urges and drives and desires and that's normal it reminds us constantly of the importance uh that it's in our nature to want to be happily partnered and our our physical drives remind us of of how important that is to us individually not just for the physical aspect but for all aspects uh, of our of our human uh, condition human happiness and all of that
0: you know we have this really fantastic video on LilyTube, our Love in Later Years YouTube channel, that is called Sexuality for Singles. And in it, we talk quite a bit about this. And on this episode, we just want to dive a little deeper into the specific instance of balancing our sexual natures. And what we mean by that is balancing in the middle of the two unhealthy extremes which are sexual repression and sexual aggression because both of them are not healthy for us and we can be very tempted i think to go one way or another like screw it i'm just gonna go screw everyone <laughs> right <laughs> under the sun and i'm just i'm gonna basically give up on the idea of a temple marriage and i'm gonna give up on the idea that Uh, It could be a good and positive experience to be in a committed relationship. And that's one extreme all the way to I'm just really totally frightened of ever being intimate with someone ever again. And I refuse to date and I don't ever want to get remarried.
1: Right. Or I'm so worried that I might cross the line that I'm not going to put myself in any situation where I might become sexually aroused or interested you know because i'm going to stay so far on the lord's side of the line that i'm going to avoid anything that might even remotely trigger something so i'm not going to go to movies i'm not going to go on dates i'm not going to do anything where i might encounter temptation and i would just ask you to consider if that is your attitude Uh, And if you're so afraid of disappointing God all the time in the conduct of that part of your life, is it serving your eternal goals of being happily partnered? And I would suggest that the repression or the suppression that Kathy just talked about is not serving your goal of being happily partnered. That needs to be balanced with your goals uh, regarding integrity.
0: I agree. And Aggression is the same thing. It isn't in harmony with the goal of really having one person, one very special person with whom we can confide in, who we can be vulnerable with, who we can trust.
1: Right. I would also like to, to sort of apply this to the realm of dating. Now, I think if you ask most people uh, whether... Uh, sexual attraction is an important part of dating. Uh, honestly, I think you'll get more women to say that, yes, it's important than you will men. And the reason I believe that is because I think most men have been shamed enough on this subject that they're afraid to say that, oh yeah, sexual attraction matters. And we'll see a lot of virtue signaling when people are talking about dating can you
0: explain to our audience what you mean by virtual signaling
1: well by by saying something in a group of people to try to to say what they want you want to hear so or to make you look good. to make you look good in that sense so if i say looks don't matter in dating which you hear all the time you know looks don't matter it's not about looks it's about what's inside well we all feel that what's inside is most important, I think. But to suggest that looks don't matter—I mean, if you if you look at who's doing most of the dating out there, it's the good-looking people. I mean, I—I I don't. Uh,
0: Although that's not always the <clears throat> case.
1: No, I mean there are pe- plenty of people that are not blessed in that regard that that do just fine dating too. I, I'm just saying that I think sometimes <clears throat> this maybe more than any other subject in, in our Latter-day Saint culture is the subject of virtue signaling. Well, looks don't matter. Well, sexual attraction doesn't matter. And there's an implication that sex is not really that important part of a relationship. You know, that, that there are other things that matter a lot more.
0: That that will just work itself out magically.
1: Right is is that really true is it not very important is it just the cherry on top is it just the the dessert at the end of the meal you know is that all it is or is it fundamental and integral to having a happy healthy vibrant relationship and i am in the camp that it is the latter that it is central it is really important and but it's also not the only thing and right.
0: This is where we have to find balance as we explore uh, dating, as we information gather, as Dr. Greg Baer put it in our last interview with him. Uh, it, it, are we information gathering on both the physical and the mental and emotional, like on all of it?
1: Right. Let me also say with the subject of looks that... You know, I know I said that the good-looking, you know, the good-looking people are dating more. While that may be generally true, I, I also think you can take a certain amount of comfort in the idea that that I firmly believe in that you're attractive to a lot more people than you might think. Even if you've got a larger than average nose, or you know, your eyes are really close together, or I mean, you know, you're not the you don't fit the traditional, conventional definition of beauty some people are going to look at those things that you might see as flaws and think that that's really unique and attractive. And I've seen that over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we don't always know what we're going to be attracted to. Sometimes it just ends up being a surprise.
1: Right. So. And,
0: um, and then I'd also like to say in terms of attraction that who you are as a person, your integrity, your character as, I get to know people it either makes them more beautiful or more ugly ugly to me based on on those things those factors because well and also i mean if you go about scowling if you're the most attractive person on earth you're not as attractive scowling and if maybe you're more average or even feel like you're not as attractive but you have a really cheery countenance i mean that is very attractive i think to most people
1: right you know i think where where our Mm -hmm. doctrine one place where our doctrine becomes kind of deep on this so you can you can see the allure of somebody that wants to go out and try lots of different sexual partners and you know have lots of variety in that in that department. Um, of course, that's not what it's really for. Um, our sexual drives and urges are to bond us to one partner, and it is that is why we we make it exclusive because it serves our desire to, our fundamental desire and even need to be happily partnered. And so, you know, far from, we see this a lot in, in Christianity in general, we kind of look at the body as, as something degraded, uh, you know, as something very earthy and not spiritual and the urges and drives of the body, you know, we kind of like to think that's something that's that's put in us to tempt us or test us or try us. And and I think that's a very dim way of looking at it. For one thing, the prophet Joseph Smith taught, and it's in uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 88, that the spirit and the body is the soul of man. So the soul includes the body. The body is part of it. That sexual nature with which we have been blessed is an integrated or or ideally is an integrated part of it that serves the interest of being happily partnered with one person. And I think it's a way of expressing feelings that are too deep uh, for words to describe. And you can't capture that in that way if you're running around with all kinds of different partners it, it doesn't it, it would it would uh, take something that is holy uh even sanctifying and make it common you know make it like uh, riding a roller coaster or any other pleasure we might have
0: right it diminishes the meaning that it can have
1: right and so i i think in an effort to encourage people to be chaste, So we we overdo that teaching sometimes and we say, well, you need to be in constant fear of it. It's a wild, uncontrollable passion that you have, which threatens your eternal salvation. And if you want to really make sure you want to live in constant fear of getting out of control and, you know, try to stay very, very far on the Lord's side of the line and you know, the metaphors you've heard about it. Um, and ask yourself, do those teachings, fear-based teachings, uh, have anything to do with your fundamental goal to be eternally partnered with someone? What do you think, Kathy?
0: Well, I'd actually like to add here that I believe God can be part of our balancing efforts. I know that when I was dating, I sometimes would feel a little repressed, a little st- of that suppression, you know, and that feeling that, okay, I'm not like in touch with my sexual nature. I'm feeling very stifled and I think sometimes when that would happen, God would encourage me to look at it more broadly, uh, a little bit more compassionately and to feel more comfortable in my own skin in that regard. Uh, And then there were other times when I felt like I was acting out and I usually gauged whether that was working for me or not based on how in tune I was with the spirit. Mm -hmm. And if I felt my, that ability to be in tune with the spirit was waning, I would, I would then seek help from God to bridle my passions, to have the discipline to do what is in my highest good and best interest of my future marriage, like of my future marriage.
1: Yeah, I mean. Bridling your passions uh, like bridling a horse is to govern them. A bridle is to govern a horse, right? It's not to kill it. It's not to hurt it. Um, it's not to make it invisible. It's it's to govern it. And, you know, as Kathy was talking just then, I thought about this, this metaphor that my mission president used to use. Uh, and he didn't use this to talk about sex, particularly he, he used it to talk about the mission rules and things like that. And he said a lot of people, he drew this box on the whiteboard and he said, a lot of people think that in order to stay safe, you got to stay right in the center of this box. You've got to really avoid the edges. He said, I don't want you to do that. He said, you do that and you're not growing. You're not learning. You're not progressing you're not innovating. He said, I want you to to venture out to the edge of that box. And he said, if you find that you've gone out of outside the line a little bit, then self-correct while it's still a little bit and come back into the center. And then as you feel more comfortable, venture out a little more. And I I think there is a certain wisdom in that, that metaphor for us that especially when it concerns our, our sexual nature, there is a tendency among some to say, these commandments are there or these guidelines are there to keep us safe. And we've got to stick right in the center of that box. And I think, I, I think
0: life it's and relationships ad- are messier than that. Right?
1: Right. I think it's advisable and it's even necessary for your growth. Uh, Jennifer Finlayson Fife when she was on this podcast uh, talked about that you know she says I'm not going to tell you where the line is because that's a subject about which you through your own thoughts and prayers and and consideration will say what is the standard I can have integrity to and even if it's hard then it's a choice that I have made and she says that's a lot better than your mor- for your moral development than just asking someone else to supply you with a restriction.
0: You know, I was thinking while you were talking about this, about uh, an observation I've made of my own violin teaching journey. There are certain things I say to young students who were five or six or seven, like always have your thumb bent, never touch your bow hairs, you know, kind of always never, right? but as they grow and mature in their violin training there starts to be some gray area because although we normally want a strong bent thumb in the bow hand sometimes it needs to be movable in order to be flexible with our sound and produce a better quality of tone and never touch the bow hairs is also a generally good rule but when they go from the outside thumb to the inside thumb, their bent thumb actually takes precedence and needs to press on those hairs as part of their new bow hand, their new, more developed bow hand. And so I think this subject could be likened unto learning the violin. And we might start with very clear parameters, like in the strength of youth. And I know some people believe very strongly it still applies no matter what age you are when you're single but i also know a lot of people are very put off by the idea that those are the same guidelines because because we've grown we because we've developed because we've learned that life and relationships are more compli- complex i think we need a different way of going about it
1: well and and by saying this sometimes because we've said this before sometimes people think we're saying Oh throw out the guidelines and just go ahead and have sex. No, definitely
0: not saying that. <laughs> we're not saying
1: uh, the the issue is really in in the strength of youth pamphlet. For example, it says don't do anything that will arouse sexual feelings. What like dating? Like uh,
0: Well, yeah, that's not know, realistic when you're trying to develop it. holding well,
1: look, hands? Well, yeah,
0: it, and when you're trying to see if a relationship's going to work towards marriage, you have to explore that.
1: Right. Not not
0: sex itself, but compatibility physically.
1: Yeah. And do you do you have the same kind of approach to touch, you know, to hugging, to kissing, to whatever? I think it's the it's to see if you have uh, any not only chemistry between you, but, uh, you know, if you have one person that's very touchy and likes to be touching 30, 40, 50 times a day, And the other person is more a don't touch me person, you know, who bristles when somebody puts a hand on their back or something. Well, you know, maybe that's not the best match.
0: Well, and you won't know that if you don't explore it to some degree during dating. And, you know, I I go back to this idea that the way I teach violin is similar in that, as you mature, you still have the guideline, you still have the general rule. It's not like it goes away because I wouldn't be training it if it weren't important. But you learn how to start breaking the rules that you were given when you were young to improve your ability as a musician, or, you know, in this case, as a loving partner.
1: Right. And and here's my thought on for the strength of youth. Okay. It is guidelines written to teenagers who face a unique challenge. And that challenge is their bodies full of raging hormones that they don't really understand yet because they've only had them a short time. And they're also uh lack maturity, lack the maturity necessary to get married and have a, a good chance of a successful marriage. And
0: they're just barely starting into exploring adult relationships.
1: Right. So if, if they're not mature enough to get married, they're certainly not mature enough to be having sex. And, and, and so I think in order to, you know, there's no place for these teenage relationships to go anytime soon. And so we're encouraging teenagers to stay a lot closer to the center of that box, because, you know, can can a high school kid really date his or her his or her girlfriend or boyfriend for five years before um, they have sex without slipping up? Um, and I think it's very difficult, you know, to, to tell a 16 year old kid. Um, that that uh, they have all these options and oh yeah you might marry her someday well how how long can they do that five five six years seven years
0: you know what jeff i figured out i think i have a year time limit (laughs) (laughs) i i know because i've done it before that i can date someone for about a year before i either need to get married to them or break up with them Or just have sex outside of marriage. (laughs) And I don't know what other people's limits are. I mean, maybe they're longer, but that's my limit. And so it's interesting because some mid-singles might be in a position where they're not ready to get married for various reasons. I know that when we met, we weren't. And so I didn't want an endlessly exclusive relationship that I knew would either lead to having sex outside of marriage or breaking up or getting married before we're really ready.
1: Right. So, so the point here is, yeah, we design those standards for youth because number one, they're full of raging hormones. And number two, there's no place for any relationship they have to go anywhere. There's no chance for it to go anywhere, uh, anytime soon. And so we're saying, yeah, dating
0: groups,
1: de-emphasize that part of your life a little bit to, to keep. Within um, the standards and avoid slipping up now it it does strike me as a little insulting to tell a forty year old who's been married for twenty years or whatever
0: and who and who desires to remarry
1: right uh, you know you've gotta follow the standard not to do anything that might arouse sexual feelings within you um, you know so so suppress that entire part of your nature. I mean, you can have sexual feelings aroused in you by watching two people kiss on TV. Um, You know, if you're...
0: If you're being honest and realistic, it's not as simple as just avoid. I mean, because you'd have to avoid all of life.
1: Right. I mean, even reaching over to see if that person will hold your hand in the movie theater and when they do, that's exciting, you know, because you weren't sure before. That can be arousing. That's like is the it best, really-
0: actually. I think that's so cool. <laughs> like when you get that, you know, that, you know, flutter, you know, in your heart of like that first time handhold. That's Ooh, awesome. She
1: took my hand. <laughs> She's rubbing it now. And is that really sinful? Is that something we need to be obsessing over and saying, I don't know. I think maybe we're about to strip naked and... <laughs> go all the way right here in the back of the movie theater. Well, no, that's absurd.
0: Okay. I, I don't, I don't know that most people think that, but there can be that underlying
1: fear, even if it's subconscious. Right. Oh, oh I think that that fear is there for many, many people. Um. So what we're, t- what we're telling you is that those feelings exist, that part of your nature exists because you're meant to be happily partnered together with a a member of the opposite sex. And, and that is good. And, and it's even sanctifying within marriage because it elevates that partner. The only person you express yourself sexually with, it elevates that person to a status above every other human relationship. And, and so that is, is sanctifying. It is beautiful. And, And I will even say, you know, there are people who worry that sexual acts within marriage even displease God. I think that's really a perversion of, of the true doctrine and that the true doctrine is actually that it's sanctifying and that, that it's not degrading and that within marriage, it's a beautiful thing. And it, if you find, in marriage that you're really constricted in that regard, that you have done a lot of suppression and it's hard for you to find that part of yourself, that's a a reason maybe to get some professional help.
0: Yes, if especially if there's been anything traumatic in your past relationships with regard to uh, sexual intimacy, whether you've been Cheated on, or assaulted, or
1: abused as a child. Yeah, all of those things of those.
0: can really seriously impact your ability to express sexual pleasure in, in an intimate
1: marriage. Right. Part of the of the problem I see with the way I mean, almost all of our teaching in the church on about sex is about sexual sin, um, and. I understand why. I mean, because we are trying to discourage people from, from committing sin, and we are trying to elevate that sexual relationship with your spouse to something very
0: well, special. And so let's keep that and right. add some positive dialogue to it.
1: Right. And, and I would just say if, if you're acting primarily out of fear and you think this fear protects me. Remember God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power of love and of a sound mind. And the thing is if if we're being fearful is that serving your goal of being someday happily partnered if sex makes you afraid is it serving that goal I I don't think it is. I also think that when we when we think about it in a more wholesome way, that is preparing us to be, to be happily partnered. And um, Kathy, have you seen this causing trouble in in relationships? This issue.
0: I think it's more of a problem for the individual that then affects their ability to create positive. Relationships that could lead to marriage. In, in other words, if I am approaching sex and my sexual nature from a vantage point of either that unhealthy extreme of aggression or suppression, I'm not being healthy and whole in this area within myself and my behaviors will then negatively impact my chances of getting what I really want, which for me was an eternal marriage with a partner I could trust and that I could be in a close relationship with.
1: Right. You know, I, I think um, that's an important point that the problem or the, the hang up always exists within a person and maybe it exists within both people, but then that spills over into the relationship and it's easy to say, you know, gosh, if you're avoiding sex and marriage because you're, you're worried that you're displeasing God in some way, um, be conservative and, you know, stay far on the Lord's side of the line and all that. Well, does it serve the goal of eternal marriage? You know, I think when we talk about this in terms of dating, I remember... Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife said, uh, has said a lot that um, sex is best and most satisfying with us when it is liberating, when it's freeing. And if you think about it, approaching the whole subject in terms of fear is the opposite of freeing, it is constricting, it is confining. Mm. And so I think. When we talk about that in terms of dating, of course, we believe there are moral limits to how far you should go physically before um, getting married so that you can save that that part of yourself for your uh, future spouse. But the idea, I think, is come to a good understanding that has integrity of what those moral limits are are going to be for you and how far you'll go and how far you won't go. And then within those boundaries, express yourself freely and enjoy that with a partner. And and I think that's the healthiest way to move forward and, and to serve the eternal goal that you have is to have very clear limits that you have thought out and decided upon and are committed to, and then feel free within those limits and then be happy on the day when those limits can be joyfully discarded because you got married.
0: Ah, I love that. You know, that part of the conversation reminded me of something we wrote about an Intentional Courtship, A Mid-Singles Guide to Peace, Progress and Pairing Up, available on Amazon for those listening who haven't gotten it yet. We talk about the fact that like attracts like and the unhealthy extremes attract unhealthy opposite extremes. So if you're on one spectrum or the other, suppression or aggression, like we've talked about in this balancing our sexual nature episode, um, beware, you'll likely attract the opposite extreme and there's going to be a lot of conflict in your marriage over, over it. And if you want to attract someone who is health, has a healthy sexual outlook, that's something you're going to want to develop in yourself.
1: Let me also add to that what Jennifer finlayson Fife told me once. Um, She talks about how she's seen this a lot where um, people will even select a a spouse that they're not particularly sexually attracted to because they're afraid of those sexual feelings that somebody they are wildly attracted to will uh, create in them. And she says, of course, that that's a very indecent thing to do to someone, uh, to marry someone because you're not attracted to them.
0: So that you can be safe, quote unquote.
1: Right. And, And then of course, you're not gonna want to have sex with that person and they're gonna feel frustrated and betrayed and all the rest of it. And of course, that illustrates the idea that so many of us are operating with fear When it comes to this subject and so afraid that it's going to take us down satan's path or take us to a place where we lose control of ourselves um you know i think we've gone overboard that way quite frankly in our our culture and and as kathy said it can go either way it can be going overboard on aggression or on suppression and i think sometimes when it goes overboard to the To aggression, it's because we drove those feelings deep down underground. um, And they're so shameful that it kind of comes out sideways.
0: Well, and I just want to offer some empathy and compassion here because we've both been in the mid singles community where we were choosing to be abstinent from sex after a long term marriage. And it's not easy. Right. It is not easy. And that's why we wanted to talk today about balancing our sexual natures, because it really is a balance that we have to continually strike with ourselves in order to be healthy about it.
1: Right. And I can can add, you know, that being happily married uh, over the last four years, um, Kathy and I have experienced how positive this can be as well. And what an important subject this can be in strengthening your future marriage
0: yes and just like my little students who get very clear always and never statements about what they need to be doing to learn violin um, we might get those clear statements when we're young with the strength of youth and whatnot Um, but as we grow as we mature as we become a potential professional musician or slash human (laughs) um, We get to play around a little bit more with those rules, not throw them out, but be mature enough to know when we can improve who we are and how we're showing up by uh, exploring that balance that gives us a healthy outlook and a, a really firm vision of what we want most.
1: I agree very much. Having said that, all of that, uh, I would remind you that any time is a great time for more love in your life. And we thank you for listening.
0: Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyTube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.